1: hey guys welcome to another episode of primetime crime it's kylie for the first time in a couple of weeks i do not have anything to say about the rudy situation the rudy diaries as i like to call it we have more developments in the true crime world that we are going to talk about today because i feel like it's been kind of quiet and rudy was like forefront like front and center and Now we got some other stuff going on. So we're going to talk about the other stuff because it's pretty notable, honestly. So for those that aren't familiar with the Long Island serial killer, I'll give you a little bit of a background of the case and then we're going to talk about them finally making an arrest in the case. So cops had been searching for this woman who had been missing and she was a sex worker and had made a really... Alarm and called a 911. So police had been searching for her, and they found eleven different sets of remains along this highway in Long Island. And most of the remains were found in 2010 and 2011. And there is two different sets of remains that have not been identified at this time. There's one that was just identified recently. It is a crazy, crazy story. So because criminals are stupid, they were able to tie this case back, these cases back. I mean, this is all the work of a serial killer, they're suspecting. And they made an arrest on Thursday, and it is a guy named Rex Hoerman, and he is a architect, buttoned-up businessman, who blended into society. And I always say it's the people that you least expect who are the ones that have done some shady shit. So they found his wife's DNA on three of the victim's bodies. One of his own hairs was found on one of the victim's bodies. He used a birder phone to call the victims and they were traced to his office There was a call made to one of the victim's sisters after she she died and that was traced to his office. His Tinder profile with photos of him was linked to the burner phone. His Chevrolet pickup truck was seen by witnesses to one of the victim's disappearances. He matches the description of an ogre-like man seen with one victim before she vanished. He conducted graphic searches for child porn and images of women being sexually abused. And he also searched Google for updates on the case, wondering, quote, why law enforcement? Why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? Like, aren't we glad they're dumb? That's all I have to say. Like, this is crazy to me. Honestly, so, so, so truly crazy that these people walk amongst us. He is married. He has two children. He lives in a seemingly normal home. Although I will say that for being a like well-to-do businessman, everyone said his house was a dump and people were kind of mixed. Some said they were not surprised by it because he was kind of creepy and others say they were surprised by it. Now that is just kind of, you know, everyone has their own interpretation of things and It's going to be very interesting to see what comes out with this. And they basically swarmed his home on Thursday and arrested him. And now he is slowly being charged with all of these homicides. So it's going to be really interesting to see it all play out and all develop. And I say it all the time. It's the people that blend in and the people that walk amongst us that are the awful bad people. You could have lunch with a serial killer and not even know it. You could walk by a serial killer in the grocery store and not even know it. They literally walk amongst us and it's always the people you least suspect. But I do feel like there are those of us out there who are very intuitive and aware of certain behaviors that people like that kind of embody and... I don't know. I feel like if you have a bad feeling about somebody, you're probably right. And you just need to steer clear of that person. I'm sure this guy had a lot of people fooled, but I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to come out of the woodworks who are like, no, he was creepy. He did this. He did this. He did this at a Halloween party in 2019. If you know, you know. But I really wouldn't be surprised if people start coming out and speaking out about like what a weirdo he was. It's really more frequent than not that in these situations where it's just like a normal person who blended in a society where people are going to be coming out and saying like, oh, you know, he acted a little weird. He was really quiet. He was antisocial. He really kept to himself or he like exhibited creepy behaviors. It's always the case in these type of situations. So I'm just waiting for people to start coming out there's already been people who like lived in his neighborhood who said like he was always like dressed for work and he was in like a suit and tie, but his house did not look great. Like he looked like he made a lot of money, but his house did not reflect that there was always like wood pieces on the front of it. And it just looked like overgrown and not well taken care of. Not something you would expect from someone who was like a New York businessman type of guy. So very interested to see what goes on in the coming weeks and the coming days for this case. Cause I think it's going to get interesting. Also, we have to talk about the alleged JonBenet Ramsey killer confessing. Um, I have been team, not the family for my entire life. Like as long as I've known this case, not my entire life, but as long as I've known this case. And if you have done adequate research, you will also come to that conclusion. Um, You have to look at the MO of the actual crime, what went into the crime, and it screams somebody that had done this before. And once I read this article about this guy that allegedly confessed, it will start to make a little bit more sense, in my opinion. I think that this guy could be the potential killer, honestly, 100%. And after I took that profiling class at CrimeCon last year, I really started to like dig in and think about like, okay, who is the kind of person that would do this? And that crime was so heinous and committed in such a horrible way that you have to think that whoever did it knew what they were doing and had done that before and has probably done it since. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the guy that – allegedly confessed. And the Boulder Police Department is doing typical Boulder Police Department things and not following through on what they're supposed to be doing. And that's why we still have a cold case. So, so many years later, and I will a million percent go on record saying that, and you can disagree with me if you want, I don't really care. Um, but if you really Aside from watching the news and listening to what the media has had to say about this case over the years and filling your head with information about it being the mom, it being the dad, it being the brother. If you look at actual factual information and realize that a Boulder Police Department did not secure the scene, they let everybody walk all up in that scene that day and even told her dad to go searching in the house. And let him go searching in the house. And he's the one that ended up finding the daughter. So if you look at the actual facts of the case. And don't listen to what the media tells you. Because media is biased. And media is twisted. And media is going to spin things the way that they want. It's trial by media. That's what they do. If you have watched all the things. You were going to think that the family was involved. But if you actually look at the actual evidence, not what the, not what the news tells you, you'll realize that, yeah, there is evidence that it was somebody from outside of the family, given the fact that the DNA that was found on her body was from someone outside of the family. Like, come on, just come on. And last year at CrimeCon, I went to a, I went to two different things with John Ramsey, And never in my life have I ever been more sure of his innocence and his family's innocence. And I will die on that hill. But right now we're going to talk about this guy that allegedly confessed because he has quite the rap sheet and quite a few different connections that I think could potentially make him our guy. All right. So this guy's name is Gary Olivia. And this is somebody that has been on the radar of one of his former high school friend. His name is Michael Vale. He has been on his radar since the night John Binet was killed. And the reason for this is that the night that John Binet was killed, Michael received a phone call from Gary um, after midnight on the day of John Benet's murder. And, Michael basically said that Gary was crying and said that he had hurt a little girl. And of course, Michael then saw the news a few hours later and called the Boulder Police Department and never received a response for months. And it was years before they investigated it, years, actual years. And then about four years later, Gary was arrested for trespassing on the University of Boulder campus. And at that time, they discovered that he had several items related to John Bonnet on him. And he had a taser gun, which we know she was tased. And then he was arrested again in 2016 for possession of child pornography. And at this point, Michael is still in contact with Gary and was trying to pry a confession out of him. And he, like, began writing. They began writing back and forth to each other. And Gary responded, with letters that detailed his love for Jean Bonnet and claiming that her murder was an accident. And he also provided ultra realistic drawings of her in his letters, which is creepy. And this is a quote from Gary quote I never loved anyone like I did Jean Bonnet, and yet I let her slip and her head bashed in half and I watched her die. End quote. That's really disturbing and he also said it was an accident please believe me she was not like the other kids and he also had claimed that he had killed so many children that he had lost track that fits the definite profile of this person has done this before and he said quote when i met john Binet, she took away that horrible craving to kill kids that you know me for she changed me into a new per- a new person but it's okay i've killed so many children i've lost track actually disturbing. He looks like a very disturbing individual. I'll post a picture of him on my stories. And he was known to be in the area, the immediate area around the Ramsey home. He was all the time at this church that was just 13 addresses away. And Michael had claimed that he had, that Gary had had a history of breaking into buildings, stealing art supplies, and was fascinated with learning intricate knots. Guys, like, come on. All of this stuff was observed in John Bonet's murder. Now, Michael said he has had goosebumps when he saw the garage used to kill the child, which was fastened with her mother's paintbrushes and a rope. Come on. Like, Michael isn't making this up. So this is a quote from Michael. When I look at some of Gary's art collages he did at high school, he was fascinated with knots, complicated knots. It blew my mind when I saw the knots and when I saw the garage, my heart just sank, end quote. Like, guys, this is like, in my opinion, in my opinion, allegedly, this could be the smoking gun. And... Boulder Police Department is, of course, sitting on DNA. They've been sitting on DNA for a long time. John Ramsey has been trying to get the case taken away from the Boulder Police Department and given to a higher entity like the FBI, but it has been a journey. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think the Boulder Police Department will ever admit that they messed up in this situation because there's no reason that this case should still be cold and that this person has probably been out there hurting children for a long time. This is not somebody that had never done this before. This person has done this before and this person has done it since. And unfortunately, because of the world we live in and back in 1996, like that's not even like peak media, but This story was taken on by the media so much that a lot of false information got through, like the ransom note being similar to the handwriting of Patsy Ramsey. That is not true. If you have been told that and you've seen that, that is not true. Her handwriting was nowhere near compared to the ransom note. Everyone just kind of took that information and ran with it because the news told them that it was similar, which it's not. It's not similar. Like that was something that got out into the media. Everyone ran with it. Everyone just came to their own conclusions. And still all this time later in 2023, people are still thinking that this mother did this to her child and somehow managed to leave this unknown male Non familial DNA on her daughter. Like it makes absolutely no sense. And it makes me really sad that she passed away without knowing what happened to her daughter and also passed away being a suspect in her daughter's murder. That's really unfortunate. And I just, like I said, I will die on the hill that it was someone else, non family. And if you don't believe that, then you need to research the case a little more and just have a conversation with me. Cause I promise you I'll change your mind. All right. Last thing I want to talk about was not was, is there was a girl missing from Alabama named Carly Roberts. And it was really odd circumstances. She was on her way home from work and she had stopped to pick up dinner for her and her mother. And Said that she saw a toddler, a child walking on the highway. So she stopped and she obviously called 911, but she stopped. She called 911 and then she was talking to, I think it was like her, maybe like her boyfriend's sister or something. I, I don't really know. And she was telling them that she saw this child. And then the person on the other end of the phone heard a scream. And she was basically gone, like vanished into thin air. And her Apple Watch, her cell phone, all of her stuff was left behind. The car door was left open. So, of course, everyone is like, oh, my God, this was a setup. This is an abduction, whatever the case may be. And then they released the traffic cam footage. And there was so many people going by at that time. Like, there would be no way, and it was dark out, but there'd be no way that nobody Didn't see anything so you can see her pull over you can see her flashers are on but there's so many people Going by no one else had reported seeing a toddler or a child. So it was interesting i'm, so glad it got traction and attention because If it had been an abduction the first 48 hours in any missing persons case is so so important so then Last night, there was reports that, so this happened Thursday night. So we're now on Sunday. So then last night, there was reports that she was at like a red roof inn in Alabama. And her family said it wasn't true. But then there was like car, allegedly six carfuls of people that showed up at that red roof inn looking for her. Who were the six carfuls? I don't really know. But then, like, a couple hours later, she showed up at the house. Like, at her parents' house. She just came to the house. And she was alone. I don't really know, like, her status, anything like that. But they did take her to the hospital to get examined or whatever. And that is that. She left was abducted. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Of course, the internet is the internet and everyone is speculating that she left on her own. I don't really know. Well, I maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. But regardless, she's safe and that is a good thing. So we are glad about that. So with all of that being said, I'm going to go ahead and lead into today's episode and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, y'all, today we're going to be talking about a case that I had never heard of before. I was sent it by one of my true crime besties, Natasha. And this is actually somebody that her husband, Justin, knew. So it's one of those cases that I feel like it literally could be anybody that you know that is a victim of these crimes. And it's really, really important, especially for some of these lesser known cases to be put out and shared about. Because you never know if somebody is going to hear something that's going to spark something in their mind that's going to lead them to realize that they might have potential information about an unsolved murder. So that is why these lesser known unsolved cases are so important to cover and important for me to cover. So today we're going to be talking about the unsolved murder of a guy named Charles Britt. So Charles was a 28-year-old man. Living in Wichita Falls, Texas, he was a husband to his wife, Christina, uh, four years and a father of two boys. He was a very hard worker, a devoted family man, and just your average all around normal nice guy. And at the time of Charles's murder, his two sons were ages three and age seven. So they were pretty, pretty young at the time that their dad was taken from them so this crime occurred in february of 2008 to be more specific it was february 15th of 2008 and it was a cold night in texas and charles and his wife christina had decided to stay in and watch a movie with the kids and it is
0: ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woo a hand clap or a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Charles had left the home to go pick up a pizza so they could have a movie night. And Charles had returned and she could hear that he was coming. Like he, she heard his car door slam, whatever the case may be. And she said, quote, I told the boys to go get their door for their dad. And right after I told them that, I heard him say, call the police. And I heard some shuffling and I told the boys to go to my room. And I tried to find my phone and I couldn't find my phone. Shortly thereafter, I heard a gunshot, end quote. So basically to set the scene, Christina is home. The two boys are there. She hears Charles is back home with the pizza. She says, Hey boys, go get the door for your dad. He's back with the pizza. And all of this happens really, really quickly. So then she hears Charles say, call the police. And I'm sure she was like super taken aback by whatever was going on. And of course wanted to make sure that her children were safe And then she was, of course, struggling to find the phone because you never expect that that's going to be the outcome of your husband going to pick up a pizza. So she got the kids safe and went outside at that point to check on Charles. And she opened the door and he, she saw Charles standing in the yard and he was like stumbling a little bit and then saw a man running away. And witnesses say that they saw a black male wearing all black, dark clothes running from the scene. An ambulance did come and take Charles to the hospital where it was found that he had a gunshot wound, which unfortunately was fatal. And to this day, there are no leads, no even potential suspects in the case. And I do want to talk a little bit more about what the possible motive might have been, what there's been speculation of being the motive. And I'm also going to play just a little clip of Christina explaining what happened that night, because I feel like it's good to kind of hear it from her versus me telling the story. So this is a interview that she did with a website. And they, of course, posted the interview. And I'm going to play that. And then we're gonna talk a little bit more about potential motive and what might've happened that night with Charles. Boys to get the door for their dad. And right after I told them that he, I heard him say, call the police. And I heard some shuffling and I told the boys to go to my room and I tried to find my phone and I couldn't find my phone. And then shortly thereafter I heard a gunshot. I opened the door, saw Charles standing in the yard, but stumbling, and saw a man running away. Just an awful, awful, awful experience. I can't even imagine having that happen, and, like, knowing that his wife and two kids were inside. I can't imagine the fear that he must have felt when this person randomly approached him, like... I am sure that in his mind, he was trying to protect his family from any harm that might come to them by this random weirdo that approached him like in the front yard of his home. It is a crazy story. So police initially thought that it was random. They weren't able to really track any leads down that would lead anyone to think that anyone had any beef with Charles or had any issues with him and would be out to get him. And they thought that it was totally and completely random. Now, they did say that there had been a string of robberies in that particular neighborhood. And most of the people that had been robbed had been compliant and would do whatever the robber wanted and give up their possessions, whatever the case may be. And they do speculate that this was a random robbery and that Charles probably resisted a little bit and maybe in the struggle was shot. And that's what led to his death. Now, I do probably think that if Charles thought that he or his family were in danger, that obviously he was going to try to defend himself and fight back. And it's so hard to say, like we've we're always taught that in order to make yourself not a victim you have to almost fight back because most of the time if someone is trying to attack you, abduct you, rob you, whatever the case may be, they don't want someone that's going to be difficult for them. They want like an easy target. And I you never really know what you're going to do in a situation like that, but I feel like most people's gut reaction, especially when it comes to a situation like this, where Charles was out like in front of his home, he knew his wife and kids were inside. The only option I see is him trying to defend himself and try to fight back and try to resist whatever the case may be more or less just to try to protect himself and try to protect his family. Like you never know what somebody with bad intentions is going to do. And there's no way of knowing that this is what was going to happen. So they did say that the different robberies, there was about seven that had happened that were consistent with what kind of looked like to be the robbery motive. And they said that a lot of the people that were robbed would describe the people as African-American in all dark clothes or all black clothes And what they came to find, there was many different suspects in these robberies that they were able to come up with, but they kind of came up with that it wasn't just one person who was going out and committing these robberies. It was multiple different people who were all, like, semi-loosely affiliated with each other, so... I don't know if it was like a organized thing. They were all part of like a specific group or what the case may be, but there was seven robberies that correlated to the attempted robbery on Charles that therefore led to his death. So unfortunately, there have really been no major leads in this case because Cops and detectives do believe that Charles was murdered by a stranger. It makes it that much more difficult because most homicides are going to occur by somebody we know, family, friends, an acquaintance, whoever it may be. And it makes it easier in those cases because detectives are able to kind of take the victim and then interview those people who are closest to them and then hopefully eventually come up with a potential suspect But in this case, the fact that it's a total stranger just leads things further and further and further away from Charles because this person likely did not know Charles and it was just somebody who probably lived in the community, was familiar with the community, was comfortable doing this crime and running away from it, but not somebody that was close to Charles who even knew who Charles was. And it was just a totally random kind of thing because... He had left probably on a whim to get pizza for his family. It's not like this person knew that he was going to be in his front yard at that time. This person was probably just lurking in the neighborhood, passing through, potentially looking for somebody who was out, who he could rob, and Charles just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's unfortunate that it happened. Police did say that after Charles's murder, the armed robberies kind of stopped So that would lead me to believe that whoever did this probably felt like, oh, shit, I better stop before I get caught kind of thing. But I just don't understand, like, what in life is so important for you to have that you're going to take someone else's life when it comes to robbery? Like, I don't understand it. Like, if somebody resists you, just walk the F away. Like, why don't you have any freaking morals? And like I said, what is so important that you steal from someone that you feel like if they don't give it to you that you're allowed to take a life like you're going to take a life for twenty dollars in someone's wallet or I mean what? I don't understand. I'll never understand robbery as a motive for anything because it literally makes no sense. If you want something, go get an effing job like it. Aggravates the hell out of me, especially when I see that someone's life, this young father and husband's life was stolen for no good reason. It makes no sense. Charles had a group of childhood friends that he had grown up with who they were still really close into adulthood. And they, of course, rallied around Christina and have been there to help with the kids and everything because the kids were young when Charles was killed they were three and seven and one of the kids after charles was gone had said well who's going to take me to school like if that doesn't put a complete dagger in your heart i don't know what will like it's those little things that people don't realize when you take a life away you're taking away something like that you're taking away a father you're taking away a husband you're taking away a son a friend It's just so terrible and tragic. And all these years later, this case still remains unsolved. And there's got to be something at some point in time where whoever was involved in this has said something or alluded to being involved or bragged about it. Because someone like this who can walk up to a strange man, pull a trigger, and run away without any consequences. That's someone that does not have a soul, and I think that's someone who eventually, in time, will slip up and will eventually say something, will tell something to a girlfriend or a good friend or drink too much one night and spill the beans at a bar. Whoever did this is out there, and they're probably still living in the area and they have kept the secret all of these years and they eventually will get caught and i'm confident in that and i hope that this story kind of will propel the case forward at least give it new attention like i said it's not a case that i was familiar with and the more i research some of these like cold cases that just don't really get a lot of attention the more i'm seeing the potential for them to get solved if they were to get the attention that some of the other cases that we hear of get. But it's just so important to share them. And in 2019, Crime Stoppers said that they were going to be upping the amount of reward money from, like, I guess the base was like $2,500. They were going to be upping them from $2,500 to up to $10,000 for information just to help solve some of these cold cases. Guys, I have so many cold cases on my list to cover that I could do a new episode every day probably for 16 years straight. I am not exaggerating. I have so many cold cases on my list and it's just me working my way through them one at a time. And it's hard to know that some of these cold cases have been cold for so long and the people who have waited for justice for their family members are passing away without ever knowing what happened to their deceased loved one. It's insane. I never realized how many cold cases I would find once I started researching. And Charles is just another one that is a case that it's 15 years old His kids are now adults. They're 18 and 22 years old. And they've sadly lived more life without their father than they lived with their father. It's horrible. It's awful. And we have to do something to help solve this case and help solve all the other cold cases that are out there that really don't get much media attention and traction aside from local. Because it's really, when you really think about it, the... Majority of younger generation people get their news from social media. That's just the way it is. But there's a lot of other generations, older generations, who get their their news from the actual news, from the TV, from a newspaper even sometimes. And if these cases aren't talked about and put out there on a regular basis, they kind of fall through the cracks and they become a case that nobody really ever thinks about. But the family members of these victims are thinking about it day in and day out. Charles's wife, Christina, his two sons, are thinking about him every single day, thinking about his case every single day. And meanwhile, 15 years passes by, and we have no clues, no leads, nothing, because this was a random attack from a random stranger who was just out to try to make a few bucks by stealing it from a guy, a guy who just went out to get pizza for his family. So he could have a movie night with his wife and kids. Like what the heck is happening? And from all the interviews and different articles, I read that area was a pretty safe area. They did have that rash of burglaries that were were happening, but in general, it was a pretty safe area, not an area where people expected something like this to happen. Like, I don't think anyone ever expects a man to be gunned down in front of his house just for no reason. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not something that you feel like would ever happen in your neighborhood. But unfortunately, bad people do walk amongst us. And unfortunately, bad people get away with things. And that's what, has happened here with Charles's case. So I know the Wichita Falls police department is actively on this case. They do believe that they know the motive was robbery. They do think that it was somebody who was not known to Charles and it was totally random. They just don't have any suspects at this point. And Hoping that one day somebody will slip up and say something, or somebody will remember hearing something from somebody, and we can actually bring Charles's killer to justice, get justice for him, his wife, his sons, and solve this cold case because that's what he deserves. He was a good man, he was a hard worker, he was a good father and watching the story just made me want to cry because it's so sad to know that these boys have gone most of their life without their father for no reason absolutely no reason so i'm gonna share some photos of charles some family photos that were shared um, just on the internet and i'll also include a link to The video that I talked about where Charles's wife kind of talked about what had happened and you hear from some of the investigators on the case. I'll post a link to that as well in the show notes. But guys, share this episode. This is one where I feel like it's a little bit less of a known case and I feel like it's one that needs to be shared. It needs to be shared all over. Because the more people that have their eyes on it and their ears on it, the better, more chances of solving this case. Because I'm sure the person that did this probably did not stop their ring of crime. And they've probably done things since, not saying they've murdered people since, but they've probably carried on in another way, shape or form committing horrible crimes because horrible people just don't stop being horrible. So share this episode Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast if you enjoy listening. I am so honored to be able to bring these cases to you on a weekly basis. I very much enjoy the researching aspect of it and putting it all together. It can obviously be a little overwhelming at times, but in general, I do enjoy it and I feel like I'm just trying to help propel these cases forward so we can get answers for these families, because there's real people attached to these cases. And it has been very overwhelming in a good way for me that I've had family members of missing and homicide victims. I've had their family members reach out to me and thank me for covering their family members case. That to me is worth Everything in the world like it's so important to share these stories. And when you are a family member of somebody who is missing or has been a victim of a homicide, you just want the story out there and you want people to tell the story and hearing from these people just means so much to me because it makes me realize that I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. For the longest time, I felt like I wanted to have a voice and I wanted to make a difference, but I didn't know how. But in 2023, everybody can have a podcast. And I mean it like if you don't think you can have a podcast, I had no clue that I was going to ever have a podcast in life. When I started 2023, I had no idea that this was going to be how my year evolved. But it was on my mind. And I was like, you know what, if I'm thinking about it this much, there's probably a reason I need to do this. And the reason is to share these stories and to help any little bit that I can. So it just makes me realize that I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. And if you have something on your heart, there's probably a reason that you have it on your heart. And it's because you need to follow through with it. So Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Even if I have two listeners a week, which I feel like I was going to have me and one other listener, but (laughs) it's actually been very overwhelming how many people are listening to it. And I'm very honored and so happy that I'm able to bring you these cases. Not happy that I have to cover all the cases I have to cover because I wish that there was no cases for me to cover. But I'm glad to be able to bring these cases to you and hopefully we can start to warm up some of these cold cases because some of these cold cases have been cold for entirely too long and we need to find justice in this case. We need to find justice for Charles. We need to find justice for all of the cold cases that I've covered. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Again, please share this episode. This is one that I really want to get out there. I want it to spread. I want it to be everywhere. And I want to hopefully help propel this case so we can find Charles's killer and get justice for him and his family. Thank you for listening. And I will chat with you guys on Friday.